0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about one comic in particular. That is Powers of Ten, issue number 5. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. I'm going to give a brief overview of the comic, that way um, you all can... Uh, at least understand how great this comic is. But then, once I'm done, I'm going to go into a full spoiler discussion, including some very interesting tidbits that I read online. And uh, so if you're into what's coming next for the future of the X-Men... Uh, stick around, and we will go into it, because there are a lot of interesting pieces in regards to this issue. So, the the first big thing, which I don't know if you could consider a spoiler or not, is Mr. Sinister isn't even in this issue. Um, they talk about him briefly, and there's one panel with him in it, in the panel, but he's not in it, so my head was scratching as to why the heck he is on the cover of this. But let's, uh, oh, I was about to to dive into it, guys. But yeah, no, so this issue is actually really good. If we're comparing it uh, nuts and bolts to all of the other issues, I would say it's not one of the best issues. But you at that point, you're essentially comparing a, a nine to a 10. Like it's still an incredible issue. The and we'll, we'll jump right into it. You guys already know who these people are, but we've got written by Jonathan Hickman with art by R.B. Silva and color art by Marte Gracia with letters by V.C.'s Clayton Cowles and design by Tom Muller. And uh, there's a bunch of variant covers too. This one was kind of a light in my opinion. I bought one variant cover for it. But um, yeah, so this, this issue takes place... Uh, in year one year 10 and year 1000 just like the other powers of 10 issues and without really going into too many spoilers again just get the issue it's so worth it and if you've been keeping up with it this far there's absolutely no reason for you not to get it because like i said there are a lot of implications in this issue for things coming in the future for the x-men along with uh, some answers to some of our questions but for the most part This is more of a fill-in-the-blanks sort of issue, and that's kind of what the Powers issues have been, because they span over a thousand years. They're essentially filling in the blanks. And I read something really interesting today, too, that was saying Powers of Ten is Moira's book. And I I would believe that, because the final issue, Powers of Ten number six, which comes out in two weeks uh moira is on the cover of that one and again you can argue that because sinister is on the cover of this one that that is there's no bearing on that and we, we might be right but for the most part i really think this uh series is a lot of the series is about moira so my wondering is is the year 1000 what life of moira's is that year 1000 and we certainly do not get that answer in this issue but i, I just see things leading towards that rolling towards that but that, honestly, I because I, I really want to just jump into this, but it's a really great issue. So high Highbrow Beats, Professor Xavier has a great conversation with Forge, Professor Xavier and uh, Magneto have a great conversation with Emma Frost, and then we get some, uh, year one th- some great, not great, but interesting year 1000 stuff, and then we also get to see just some quick glances at essentially all of the villains that joined in the last issue so this one's kind of filling in the blanks like i said so from that point on we are going to move into full spoiler territory so if you don't want to be spoiled get the heck out of here go get this comic and then come back and listen to this uh but in all seriousness thank you for listening as far as you've come Uh, i know everyone's time is precious and it's been four minutes already so with that out of the way we're jumping right into this so the quote at the beginning here it says they will think we are doing one thing but the truth is, we are doing something altogether different. And that's by Professor Xavier. The title of this issue is For the Children. And that comes into play really well. So, uh, like I said, this conversation is with Forge and Professor Xavier. And I'm, I'm reading this again. This is essentially the second time that I would be reading this. It says they're in Dallas, Texas. But where are they? Are they in the aqua- an aquarium? because I, I can't tell, they're, they're underwater, clearly, there's there's uh, sea life swimming all around them, but I I don't know, also, they're they're drinking, uh, Professor Xavier's having a, having a drink, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that, but this whole conversation, as you can guess, is about Cerebro, and he's asking what uh, Forge can do for him in when it comes to Cerebro. Basically, he needs he needs to have the Cerebro that he has in the current day, convincing Forge to make this for him. And the conversation is just so great. I mean, you got Forge says, and in the macro, you're going to need duplicate versions of the entire system because you can't afford to ever lose the data. And he's talking about uh, duplicates of the basically the database of all the mutants' thoughts and minds. He says, so you'd need at least one backup. And Professor Xavier says, I would prefer five, one main unit, three backups, and an additional one for unforeseen complications. And Ford just says, sure, why not? And then, uh, yeah, and then he says, so as I can see, all that's stopping you is access to unlimited power source and unlimited storage. Unfortunately, nothing like that currently exists on this planet. And he says, no, it doesn't, not on this planet. And Forge says, I should have seen that coming. So they just have this really great, and there's a really great panel that really just highlights how uh, great of an artist Arby uh, Silva is, and even Marte Grassi as well with the colors on this. But Professor Xavier is doing a really good thing with his eyebrows, like twisting them in such a way. He says, as you very well know, the only person qualified to make that call is you, Forge, of... Uh, um, if it's possible to make this. And he says, the only question is, are you or are you not going to build it for me? And for- the Forge kind of gives him this like, ah, yeah, I'm probably going to build this for you. And so then the next uh, next page we get is basically a kind of a crash course in Cerebro. So that was really cool and really interesting. Talks about how Forge is increasing his mastery of Krakoan tech, which is interesting because it's a biological machine versus a traditional machine. So it says a revolution in Krakoan technology seems imminent, which is interesting, I'd say, to say the least. And then goes into how the whole process works. So it says, uh, once a week, Professor Xavier copies the latest version of every mutant mind into multiple redundant cradles located in several locations around the world. And then the backups are the essence of each mutant, how they think, how they feel, their memories, their very being. And uh, this partial process takes approximately three hours. But then, once a year, Xavier does a hard backup of each mutant on the planet. Unlike the weekly backups, this process is not a partial backup, but a fresh copy of a whole mind. This process takes three days during which the process cannot be interrupted and Xavier cannot be disturbed. So that's interesting and I when I was thinking reading it the first time I thought how cool would that be for Xavier? I know I know that sounds like a very daunting task but for someone like him loving mutant uh, kind so much and wanting this better future for them like to me I feel like that's almost like him going on a retreat hanging out with everybody for the whole year and then three days out of the year he goes on a little retreat by himself where he copies the minds of all the mutants and they're either none the wiser or they're all the wiser and I think it's more like they're all the wiser because I think based on the last issue they know what's going on they know that this is what's happening and that's honestly I would love to I would love to have that happen to me But then it says, it goes into this as well, that as previously stated, and this was discussed in the last, I believe, no, 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 not the last Powers issue, but the the last House issue last week. It says, as previously stated, while there has been no experimentation regarding what happens when you combine a mutant mind with a husk that is not their own, so Professor Xavier's mind and the body of Mystique. Uh, It is believed that unless a mutant has some primary or secondary ability to overcome the potential damage such a mismatch would cause, it's likely to be harmful and possibly fatal. So we're getting a little more information on that. There's got to be something going on with that because this is twice now they've explained it. And in this one, he's given even more detail into it. So something has got to be coming in either this last Powers issue or this last House issue. Guys, There's only, I want to pause here for just a quick minute. There are only two issues left of this amazing series. And I remember the day that I went to the comic shop to get the first issue and how special that felt. And it has been special ever since. I'll probably talk this... Obviously, I'll be talking about this at the very end when all of this is done um, in two weeks. But what a ride. What an awesome ride we've been on with this series. Uh, But then there's another note here. It says, note, it is possible for a telepathic operator to replace their own mind with a previous legacy version. But doing so is incredibly difficult and would most likely require a skilled and experienced operator. Interesting. So I wonder if anyone's done that note, Charles Xavier has done this twice, (laughs) so it says that, and it's like, oh, wow, okay, what are the ramifications of that, so he's essentially um, replaced my previous version, I wonder if that was to prevent him from, why would you want to go back, why would you want to replace your mind with an older version of your mind, if, The only thing I can think of is if your memory was fading and you couldn't remember something and you just uploaded that data from the, uploaded the data, but you know what I mean. Uh, I can't think of any other way that, hey, you know what? Hickman's figured out a way and I'm sure he's going to go into it. And then the cradle locations are also put on here. So I'm imagining this is where he says the the five copies, House of X, Island M, Summer House, the point and it's spelled p o i n t e and moira's no place no hyphen place no idea what those are guarantee you they're going to go into it in powers uh the next issue and then we jump to year 10 uh and we've got we're looking at emma frost she mentally tells everybody in this in the louvre to leave and professor xavier shows up says hey emma what's up and she says why are you here and Magneto shows up for the same reason I am to see you. He says, Ah, the two of you together. Either this is gonna be incredibly heroic or terrifyingly reckless. Dare I ask which? And he says, Come now, Emma, what's your where's your faith? Couldn't it just as easily be both? And he says, what do you really want? She says, what do you really want, Charles? And so she explain, he explains that, and I'm going to read this to you because it, it's a little easier than to talk about it, but he says, I've noticed. She says, I'm quite busy. He says, I've noticed. And because I know the Hellfire Corporation is an international prime mover, I was wondering if you've heard rumblings of a certain company being on the verge of delivering miracle drugs to market. And she's like, I'm aware, I'm aware. And he says, well, are you aware that I'm the person behind this company? And she says, you weren't listening earlier when I said that lack of subtlety piece? He says, fair enough. But the move behind the move is we're going to use the need for those drugs as leverage in the establishment of a mutant nation state, Krakoa. She says, so not heroics at all, just reckless. And she goes right up to Magneto and she has every right for this. She says, let's put all the mutants on an island again, gather them in one place and put a giant target on it. You all should know better. And she says, you think I'd actually help with this? She says, he says, not so much this as helping us to form a mutant government. Oh boy, guys. Oh boy. So that's where the crux of this conversation is going to be taking place towards the end of this because I've got some secrets. So, as she says, a government for a nation that doesn't exist based on economic ramifications of an imaginary drug in a world that historically would rather kill us than trust us, aren't you two getting a little ahead of yourselves? And Magneto says, in one month, the population of Krakoa will seemingly overnight expand from several mutants to well over one hundred three months later it will be five times that and by this time next year it could be as high as two million we are not ahead of ourselves miss frost we are woefully behind and she says my god you're serious aren't you he says this is that day you've been waiting for and she looks at him and, and uh, magneto says to make right all the things that went wrong and she says, What's going to make it different this time? And uh, Magneto hands her a. Uh, and if you guys have been reading the Sarah Pacelli or seeing the Sarah Pacelli variant co- covers for House of X, the flower variant covers, um, each, uh, it's uh, what is it? There's six it's Cyclops, Jean Grey, Professor X, Storm, Magneto, and Apocalypse. And in uh, all of them, they're all holding flowers in like different vases, vases. And so Magneto puts one towards her and says, let us show you. And then they're at Corcoa later. And she says, she sighs and says, one more time then for the children. All right, I'm in. Tell me what you need. And so typically in typical Hickman fashion, you would think that that's the end that, okay, we'll find out more later, but nope, they go right into what they need, which is essentially, and this is what's leading into the dawn of X. The company, companies really that I've created to process and manufacture the drugs are operating at a scale and structured in a manner that all that makes intellectual theft impossible. Add in the fact that the raw materials themselves only grow where Krakoa lives, and any argument against our having a monopoly evaporates which is where you come in, says Magneto. And Emma Frost says, because you cannot trust the distribution of your product to humans, and the Hellfire Corporation already has the international reach to do so. You want me to become the East India Trading Company of Mutandom, don't you? He says, yes. And she says, I won't lie, I like the taste of it. Magneto says, we would be willing to formalize the arrangement, of course. We were thinking a 20-year, and she goes, <clears> He says, ah, Yes. As I was saying, we were thinking a 50-year exclusive contract with you as sole distributor. And she says, better. And then uh, Xavier says, and leaving behind talk of money and getting back to the real matter, we're offering two seats on the 12-person council that will act as the first government of Krakoa. And Emma says, temporary, I assume, I guess, until there's a more formal structure agreed upon. And Xavier says, perhaps, we'll find a way as we grow. Regardless, it's the spark that sets things in motion. And Magneto says, and what begins as a fire will grow into an inferno. And she says, Okay, but why two seats? And they look at each other. And then Xavier says, We need you to bring Sebastian Shaw back into the hellfire, into the hellfire. And she says, She get Oh, again, this is this is the second time too where you really notice how great Arby Silva is at drawing facial expressions. The look that Emma gives. Uh, Xavier is just a dumbfounded are you kidding me look and she says but I just got rid of him and he says we need to be the face we need you to be the face of our legitimate trade with the nations of the world Emma the consummate politician who partners with countries with which we have official relationships and for the ones we do not and she says you want a black king to run the black book operations into countries who reject our sovereignty he says get the drugs in get the mutants out can we count on you? Will you do it? And she says, I'll do it, but not for the two seats on the council. I'll be needing three. Uh-oh, what does that mean? So, guys, here we're getting to uh, this first bit of discussion. And I'm really enjoying how this this one's going because we're going to get some good pit stops. So that that whole... Um, exchange is so cool because when again every time that Hickman's touching these characters when's the last time that you saw Xavier Magneto and Frost all having a legitimate and civilized conversation about the future of mutants or about what is best for everybody versus like oh you know how can I squeeze in a little something for me and obviously that's Emma Frost of course she wants more money and all that stuff but uh, it's just really cool to see and, and, and Hickman's killing it on that end so The next is an infographic that says the quiet council of Krakoa, the 12 person ruling council of Krakoa that decides how the mutant nation handles external conflicts and the internal laws of the island itself. There's some debate as to whether this council will continue in perpetuity or if some other system of government will replace it. So we'll see. I'm sure that's going to be dealt with in the future x-men issues i mean there's no reason it wouldn't but so it's interesting too so they've got 12 people plus krakoa itself which is comprised of two people cypher and krakoa which makes total sense because cypher is deciphering krakoa's language so that he can speak and you know krakoa is the island obviously he's going to be on the council but the four groups are four groups of three and they are autumn winter spring and and summer. And in this book, and guys, we're getting so close to it. In this book, it shows autumn as Professor Xavier, Magneto, and the third person is blacked out. It's uh, redacted. Winter, all three are redacted. Spring, says Black King, Sebastian Shaw, and White Queen, Emma Frost. And then the third one is redacted. Summer, all three of them are redacted. So, who could these other characters be well guys i uh when i finished reading this at work i and if anyone at work's listening thank you so much for listening and supporting me i read this on my lunch break but while i was reading it um and I had to know, like, after I was done, I was like, because IGN hadn't put up a review, comic book uh, resources hadn't put up a review, and I I typically check both of their reviews out to see if there's anything I missed, and so no one had a review up, and I was like, huh, is that because this issue's kind of not as insane as the other issues? Regardless, I then googled on Google News, I just typed in powers of X5, and pulled up a couple different articles, and so this one, I'm 100% referencing, because if it's right, Awesome. It's a win for me for finding good news. And it's also a win for a new website or this website. So this website is called ComicsBeat.com. Uh, That's uh, c o m i x c o uh, m i c s Beat, Comics Beat. And an uh, article by Samantha Pook p-u-c but the article title is this page in powers of x5 might reveal major spoilers for the upcoming dawn of x so they referenced that page this infographic but what they're saying and i don't know because my digital copies can't be redeemed there's an error i literally have uh, three digital copies and i tried all of them none of them work so i'm going to give them a couple days and try it it happens sometimes but i don't have a digital copy they're saying it says turns out they can, or she says, so and I'm just going to read this article in its entirety, but it says, since Mystique's name is visible, oh, okay, one name is barely visible under Winter, and that was in, on the digital copy, I'm assuming, but it was Mystique, and it says, since Mystique's name is visible, it made me wonder, could the other blacked out names be made visible through simple copy and paste? Turns out, they can. It's unclear at the time of writing, so as this article came out, whether Marvel intended for this page to be decodable or if the digital copy sent to journalists contains a file error that makes this possible. Once all of the text has been decoded, the council seats are as followed. So that's the background. I will preface this again. This is not confirmed by Marvel. This is only being confirmed by this one website website who decoded it by copying the the, those pieces which is brilliant you know how like if you you basically put a, a redacted over something you can still copy and paste the text under it typically and so that's what's happening in this case so there's a very good chance that this stuff might be wrong but there's also a really good chance based on what I'm seeing here that this stuff is right and I'll explain why here in a second and actually i think there's even yeah yeah, yeah, because it's going to be at the back of this book the the covers i think the covers give away give it away as well so so here we are so autumn professor xavier oh and again guys if you don't want to be spoiled by this you want this to get revealed because it's going to get probably revealed either in the next one of the next two issues so if you don't want to be spoiled skip ahead or you know come back later but it's not a, the biggest spoiler because I'm. it's going to dive into these future X-Men issues. So if you know the issues that are coming out in the future, it's not the hugest spoiler. It's more of a confirmation that things are going to get awesome. So, Autumn, Professor Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse. Now, I totally see that because of what happened at the end of House of X, them shaking hands. I really think they've been gearing Apocalypse to be a good guy. And uh, I saw someone talking about that the other day, too, about... Uh, They've kind of been gearing him towards that over the years, and to me, I'm always in for a villain turning into a good guy. When Al Ewing turned Galactus into the Lifebringer instead of destroying planets, he created planets. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else who, I mean, there's some Thunderbolts characters, I guess. I mean, you could probably say Winter Soldier is another one who was technically a villain and then became a good guy, but how cool Apocalypse is such an ancient being that has been around for so long to see him finally get his dream realized that, you know, mutants are at the top with the survival of the fittest. I would love for him to just soften up a little bit and be a good guy and be that kind of gruff sort of wolverine type good guy where he does what needs to be done he's not afraid to kill but he's doing it for the benefit of mutants and not to be evil and so i could totally see him tag teaming with magneto and professor x um, winter is mr sinister exodus and mystique so that one's interesting because that's not only is that a group of three important people but on the cover of House of X issue six, the cover of that issue has Storm, Emma Frost, and Exodus on that. So Exodus makes sense that he's on there. Mr. Sinister as well, because you know, he's on the he's on the flipping cover of this comic. And then Mystique too, because look at what Mystique did to help Moira. She I mean, she helped Destiny kill Moira, but she was there and she was part of it. So there's that. And then Spring is the Black King, Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost red queen kate pride and that makes total sense because she is the lead character in the marauders series that's coming out in uh next month or yeah next month in october uh she is the one leading the hellfire company so it makes sense that emma's going to be running the business sebastian shaw is going to be running the underbelly of the business and kate is the one who's moving all of the stuff so she even says it in here that uh, emma requested three spots on the council which means she handpicks kitty to oversee the black market drug distribution with herself and sebastian um yeah and then not be permanent okay and then summer the final one is storm marvel girl and nightcrawler and that also makes sense because storm is on like i said storm is on the cover of house of x6 nightcrawler also had a very prominent part in this story and he's also you know my favorite mutant so that's great and then also jean gray is on the um she's on the x-force series and she's also in i think she's her and storm and maybe nightcrawler are going to be in hickman's x-men series so it just makes sense that these are all the big ones plus she got like for being on a council, like Wolverine's not going to be on a council. Cyclops is for sure not going to be on a council. And for those of you that say hit, he would. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but he's more of a field, he's a field guy. He He's the guy leading you in the field. He's not the person sitting in a, in a council making decisions. Storm, a hundred percent because she is always the diplomat. Nightcrawler as well. He's very diplomatic and same with Jean Grey. Obviously, she can read minds, but at the same time, she, in X-Men Red, was a very diplomatic in that as well. So that's probably why they picked those three. But so, that is the um, the Quiet Council of Krokoa. And again, honestly, if no one, what, I don't think anyone else has talked about this yet. So you guys may be hearing this for the first time, if you haven't read this article, that you may be a very well, I was going to say the select few, but by now I think I'm up to like 10,000 viewer view views, uh, listens every day uh, on my uh, podcast. So you guys aren't alone. Um, no, I'm kidding. Realistically, it's like a 1000. But um, then it goes to year, and I, I really hope you guys, if you guys, it's not even an if I, I will always pretend like I have way more views, listens, followers, I do it specifically and strictly for comedy purposes. So um, I'm not trying to brag or anything whenever I say that. I do it literally as a joke because I have, I have, I think I have, at least I saw on SoundCloud, I have like seven followers. And to each of you, you guys are all winners in my book because if you're able to handle me and listen to, to listen to the things that I say, congratulations. You, you have earned a seat on the quiet council in my eyes. But, uh, but no, no. So, I, but no, it was, so it was, it's about 1500 uh, views a day. So uh, X-Men, year 10, a summoning. So this is essentially Xavier calling out, and this is also furthering it. So he calls out to all the villains. He says, mutants of earth, we are building something. All of you, all our brothers, all our sisters, all. Now is the time to put aside all differences and realize we are one people. So I'm extending to you an invitation. Join us for you have a place here. It is a place of refuge, a sanctuary. It is your home, and we will be waiting for you here on Krakoa. And so while he's saying that, there's a panel with Exodus and some other bad guys, and then there's a panel with Sinister, after it looks like he's killed a bunch of the other Sinisters and is putting some vials of DNA or something in a box, and then Omega Red and a couple of other Omegas, and then Gorgon, who... Gorgon's actually one of my favorite mutant villains. I keep forgetting that he's a mutant, but if you guys haven't read The Wolverine Enemy of the State, uh run by mark millar is so good gorgon makes for such an insane villain and he also was really good in avengers world as well if you haven't read that check that out and he says so let me under see if i understand you clearly you're inviting all the mutants on this planet to live together on your perfect little island the good the evil and those beyond such quaint descriptors yes we are namor Ooh, guys Uh, And we want you to join us. Please come home. And Namor says, it's kind of you to ask, but if I'm comprehending the real reason you're doing this, it's because you finally realized that you are not them and that they will never accept you or love you. Not because you don't deserve it, but because they envy you. They hate your superiority and they always will. It's good that you finally figured that out. But let me ask you this. Do I strike you as someone who's just now realized how much better I am than everybody else? Hickman, give him all the books. Give him every book. Give him every Marvel character because he has not written a character bad yet. In fact, he has drilled down to the essence of every single character. Is that not Namor in one sentence? Do I strike you as someone who has just now realized how much better I am than everybody else? Uh, no, he thinks he's better than everyone else for the last 80 years of Marvel Comics. And do you actually think that I believe that you feel that way too? Go away, little man, and don't come back until you really mean it. And then he, and he leaves, and it's like, holy crap, that is Crazy so is he going to recruit Namor, I mean, Namor is, he's a tough cookie to crack, there's, uh, he's a real tough cookie to crack, and then we jump to year 1000, and we're getting a little bit more about the phalanx, and at this point, the phalanx kind of turns into a being, a person, and absorbs and eats one of the elders, and so they basically say, the phalanx says that they're accepting the terms, and then a little later we get a discussion between the librarian and um, nimrod the mini nimrod of basically and this is what's been funny with these these they're so highbrow like the sci-fi in the year 1000 is just so insane and uh, so every single one it seems like is just them doing something on one page and then spending the next five pages explaining what that is He says, they agreed. Why then did the phalanx destroy the Elder? And so Nimrod kind of goes into that, essentially explaining that they consume planets and all this stuff. And what we figure out in here, what we're learning in here, is um, that there are different types of societies, right? We already learned about the Technarch, the Worldmind, then the phalanx as the, the largest one. But now we're getting into even bigger ones, which are Titan, Stronghold, and Dominion and the intelligence of Titan is 10 million, Stronghold is 100 million, and Dominion is undefined. But it's saying a Titan is an interstellar society that has become so advanced, like the Phalanx, an interstellar society so advanced that the density of its unified intelligence has collapsed space-time into a singularity. So what Nimrod was kind of describing in here is that this is what... um, that Titans are actually um black holes and that's what the black hole is and so he says it states that he says i know this part it's the titan theory it states that at the heart of every black hole in the universe there is actually a supermassive machine brain each one containing the collective intelligence of a society so advanced that it collapsed in on itself And he says, uh, yes, that's the argument for the independent societies, but I'm, I'm sure those exist, but it's more than that. Ask yourself, what is a black hole? It's a wormhole, a bridge from one singularity to the next. You have to consider that it's very possible each black hole isn't a separate machine. It's all one single machine that stretches its tendrils across the entirety of the known universe. One giant societal intelligence so far beyond us that it might as well be that god mankind spent so much time looking for. So, um, and that's what he's explaining. So that this this Titan is, uh, it says, all universal societies exist in particular atemporal space, but unlike strongholds or dominions, titans are a singular hermetic intellect isolationist and not a collective or a group so you got your one your titan is uh it's it's just there a a giant thing of um like a black hole right so essentially a titan is a black hole stronghold is a small network of connected titans normally five or fewer so that's a a connected of of, uh, black holes typically confined to a galactic cluster But unlike Titans, strongholds are not lone wolves uh, that seek to avoid conflicts. They are warring factions seeking to actively destroy or absorb other strongholds. It says, if machines have religions, expansion and conquest are the altar at which strongholds worship. And then Dominion is a collective of ten or more Titans acting in unison to control a particular sector or sectors, of space in both area and epochs of time. And while the minimum number of titans needed to compose a dominion is 10, the average number is much higher than that. For example, the local dominion controlling the sector, including earth space, is a collective of 112 titans. That's 112 black holes. And then it says, and this is probably the most important piece of this, or in my opinion, the most interesting piece of this, note Beyond Universal Abstracts, under which Dominions are seen as naturally occurring, um, Universal Abstracts in that sense, I think they're talking about, like, uh, Eternity, um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, the Living Tribunal, Lord Order, and Master Chaos. Um, what's this? Is there one called Ka- Chaos? No, Chaos, whatever. But yeah, like those ones. Beyond those guys, the only primal threats that a Dominion fears are the world eater Galactus and the singular universal manifestation of life, the Phoenix. So that is interesting. And, I, and then it ends, and that's the end of it. And then the final quote is a quote from Namor. When you see me again, understand what that means. And that's uh, that's it. That's really interesting. I So like I said, there's there's a lot of fill in the blank on this issue in terms of questions that maybe you had or questions you didn't even think that you had. And now you maybe have more questions because of it, but that's all in service. And and as you've noticed, both of these series, these last issue fives are essentially getting you to the tipping point. So house of X five got you to the point where all of the villains are now with the good, the good guys and bad guys. They're all just guys. Now they're all, um, you know, g- girls and guys, whatever you want to say, they're all one team. They're all together. They're all united at this point. But there's one more issue. So, what happens in that issue to tear them apart or to push the story forward into the next, um, you know, years worth of storytelling that Hickman's got planned? Same with Powers. We now are set to the piece of uh, in Powers. He just contacted all of the villains, and they showed up in-house. So now the year 10 timeline is synced up with House of X. We are now completely synced, and the final piece in this uh, year 1000 is just Nimrod and the librarian discussing. And the last thing that Nimrod says to him is, so he says, converting matter to energy is how they thrive. We asked for sovereignty. We, you know, when they when they uh, met this phalanx earlier, they kind of had that plan. He said, "But it came with an unexpected price. Tomorrow, they will absorb our collective intelligence into theirs, and the history and consciousness of this planet will live on forever. But in doing so, they will feed, consuming this entire planet and leaving, leaving no living thing behind." So that is what's going to happen at the end of powers obviously is in this last final powers issue will be the phalanx showing up and destroying everything and and absorbing everything what's that going to look like i have no idea and why is moira on the cover of the final issue surrounded by a bunch of dead x-men and and mutants so that's that's where we're at and that's a really interesting place to be because everything that i wanted from this series was answered. Everything that I wanted got answered in House of X five. Obviously it got answered in everything before then with you know the amazing bits from House of X two and three and four and then all the powers issues as well. But Um, so I'm, I'm happy. I said it last week. I don't need a sixth issue. Like this fifth issue that ended on the perfect note for me. So this final issue is just going to be a cherry on top. And now with powers, obviously I want to, I need a final issue with powers. This one left a little bit to be desired. And I think that's on purpose because the final powers issue is a red issue, the final red band issue. So stick around next week is house of x5 and the net following week is how powers of 10 six or six and six sorry and then the following week is x-men issue one which i have already put on hold at my local comic shop so that will be the new comic that i'm going to be discussing on here and uh, that is where we're going to wrap things up so for comics and cinema thank you so much for listening i'm your host alex klein and enjoy reading this comic <music>